going to read from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8. And if you have your Bible, you might like to follow with me. Um, One of the reasons why I haven't put the Bible reading up in the PowerPoint is because I hope even at these services, people will still feel they can bring their Bibles and carry their Bibles and and follow along with us uh, as we look at God's Word for just a moment or two. So I'm reading uh, from the beginning of Romans, chapter 8. And Uh, Some of you who come along on a Wednesday night will recognize immediately that I'm going back over some material that we dealt with here a few weeks ago, but I thought it was just really relevant and was worth saying again. Well, all my sermons are worth preaching twice, and uh, I thought I would give this one uh, another airing tonight. Romans 8, verse 1, Paul says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Amen. Here's some words that we have never sung in church, and you can see why immediately. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell me what you want, what you really, really want. And some of you will immediately recognize those words as coming from those well-known 20th century theologians called the Spice Girls. Ten years or more old now, and that just shows how long it takes me to catch up. Uh, But they really get me to the heart of what I want to say tonight about living with priorities. To ask you simply, what is it that you really, really want? What are your priorities? What's the the point and the direction of your life? What do you live for? And for some people, the answer is quite simple. It's money, money, money. It's all about getting as much as I can, as quickly as I can. And some people believe that having as much money as they can will make them happy, and that's what they really, really want. Money will buy me pleasure. Money will buy me freedom. Money will enable me to do all the things I really, really want to do. For others, it's money that buys toys and gadgets. They just love all the new technology. They want the latest phone and even asking the children this morning uh, in church about all the new things they've got. We hear what they say. They've got um, nano iPods or iPod nanos. I'm not sure what way around it goes. New telephones, latest computer, the latest toy. And for others of us here tonight, what we really, really want is success in sport. More than anything else, we would love there to be some success in the sports that we follow. For some, it's personal success or the success of their team. Others crave fame 
They really want to be famous. Others want the things money can buy, like a beautiful house or a new car or a beautiful garden. Oh, that's what I really, really want. Others want some really great experience. Maybe it's a great sexual experience. Maybe it's an intoxicating experience. Maybe it's a relaxing experience on a holiday. Or maybe it's just a gastronomic experience. They want to eat. More than anything else, food is what they want. Other people want a family. More than anything else, what they really, really want is the the love and the joy and the security of a warm relationship. So, out of all the choices, what should our priorities be? What should we really, really want? And in this series of sermons, we're talking about living in the kingdom. And we don't mean the United Kingdom. We mean Christ's kingdom. Over against all the other kingdoms, all the other powers, all the other authorities, all the other loyalties in this world, Christians believe there's another kingdom. There's a spiritual kingdom. There's a kingdom that will never fall, that will never fail, that will never be destroyed. It's a kingdom that crosses boundaries and borders, and it includes people from every ethnicity and every nation of this world. It's the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of people who are committed to Jesus Christ. And what does it mean to live in Christ's kingdom? As people who are committed to Jesus Christ, what does that mean for our priorities and our choices and our decisions? Because clearly we can't do everything. There are too many choices. So what are we going to put at the top of our list? And what the Bible says, friends, is that what we put at the top of our list of priorities reveals who we really are. And more than that, our priorities reveal where we're headed to ultimately. Listen again to this verse from Romans 8. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. If you have your mind set on something, that's what you really, really want. Maybe some of you have had the experience of working in a shop or a retail outlet of some kind And a customer comes in in order to make a purchase. And maybe it's a pair of shoes. Maybe it's a suit of clothes. Maybe it's a new kitchen. Maybe it's a new car or a tractor or something like that. And the customer doesn't seem to be impressed with what you're showing to them. And as the salesperson, you're trying to be really helpful. And you're trying to really push through to get the sale that you want. And you're trying to figure out what they really, really want. And then they say, well, you know... What I really had my mind set on was, and then you get it. Whenever they say, this is what I had my mind set on, you know then whether you can help them or not. What they have their mind set on is what really matters to them. It's what they really want. And it really shows what our basic nature is. Your priorities express your basic nature. Paul says that what we have our minds set on, what we have at the top of our list of priorities, tells us who we are. It shows us our nature. That those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So Professor John Murray, in his commentary on this passage, says that to have your mind set on something is to make it the absorbing object of thought, interest, 
affection and purpose. That was a great quote, I thought. The absorbing object of thought, interest, affection, and purpose. So ask yourself, what is it that I think about most? What interests me most? What do I love more than anything else? What gives my life meaning and purpose? And the answer to those questions will reveal who you really are. Because in Romans 5, uh, Romans 8, 5, Paul's really setting up a diagnostic test. He's giving us a way in which we can differentiate between people. It's all a question, he says, of what preoccupies us, of what ambitions drive us, of the concerns that engross us, of how we spend our time and our energies, of what we concentrate on and what we give ourselves to. So someone has put it like this. A really good diagnostic question is this. What can you always find money for? Can you always find money for CDs or computer software or alcohol or the new car or the new jumper or the new shirt? How you spend your money often reveals your priorities and your nature. And Paul says that for a person who isn't a Christian believer, the thing that absorbs their time and energy is quite simply what their sinful nature desires. If you're always wanting to please yourself, if you're always wanting to please your own desires and longings, if you're always wanting to have a really good time, if your priority is satisfying yourself, then that reveals that you're not really a member of Christ's kingdom. One young man was asked, what is it that you live for? And he replied, I live for the weekend. For him, what he did at the weekend was that which gave his life purpose and direction and meaning. And particularly for him, he tolerated his work all week so at the weekend he could indulge himself in alcohol. He just looked forward to a Friday night when he could take his pay and when he could spend it in alcohol, when he could satisfy his sinful nature. His mind was set on what his sinful nature desired. And it's not just, we're not condemning just people who are given to too much alcohol because it really describes everybody who's not a true Christian. Their thinking is directed, their thinking is corrupted, their thinking is controlled by their sinful nature. But a Christian, says Paul, who lives in Christ's kingdom has a different mindset, a different set of priorities. It's like what DC was saying a moment ago. It's all to do with how you think and how you think about yourself and how you think about your life. And Paul says that a true Christian has their mindset on what the Spirit desires. They want to follow the leadings and the guidings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. They want and they desire the things which the Holy Spirit wants. And since the Bible says that the ministry and the task of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus Christ, that's what they really want. More than anything else, they want to exalt and honor and please Jesus Christ in their lives. That's their priority. That's what they really, really want. And when we put it like that, it all becomes very interesting and profound, and it immediately eliminates all kinds of wrong notions that people have about what it means to be a Christian and what it means to live in the kingdom. That a Christian isn't just someone who's good living or very religious. The Pharisees were good living, and they were very religious, but they killed Jesus, you remember. And before he was converted, Paul was very religious. 
He knew his theology inside out, but he expressed his religion by trying to exterminate Christians. Being religious, being good living, and being a Christian are not the same thing. Nor is being a Christian a matter of believing the right doctrines. Knowing what's true or false with regard to the Bible, it's very commendable, and it's wonderful that people know their Bible so well. But you can know the truth, you can describe the truth, and still not be a real, true Christian living in the kingdom. Nor is a Christian somebody who has attained to a certain standard of conduct. That's how many people mistakenly think of Christianity. They think a Christian is a person who doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, and doesn't go dancing. They define Christianity by what you don't do. As the man said, my donkey must be a Christian because he doesn't do any of those things. And nor is a Christian a perfect person. Sometimes people have the notion that Christians never sin. They never lose their temper. They never get angry. They never say hurtful or critical or nasty things. And they never commit their lives to Christ because they just know that's not the kind of standard they could ever hope to reach. But that is just so wrong. So what then does it mean to be a Christian? What exactly does it mean to live in the kingdom? Well, it means exactly what Paul says here in Romans 8. As a result of the work of God's Spirit in your heart, a Christian is a person who lives with priorities. There are some things that are important and there are other things that are less important. And the things that are important, what he has his mind set on is what the Spirit desires. And the absorbing passion of a true Christian living in the kingdom is to do what the Spirit of God wants and desires. Now that doesn't always mean that we we get it perfectly right. At times we grieve the Holy Spirit. At times we don't observe fully the guidance and the desire of the Spirit. But that desire and that priority remains there. If we did everything perfectly, we would be like Christ, wouldn't we? But that's the road we're traveling on, even though we haven't yet reached that destination. Now, what I'm asking you tonight is this. Can you say from your heart, you know what, that really describes me. I know I'm not perfect, but more than anything else, I really want to do what pleases God. My mind is set on what the Spirit desires. I really want to glorify Jesus Christ in my life. That's my goal. That's my ambition. That's my priority. And people who can say that are those who are living in the kingdom. If you can't say that, if you say that your priority is something else, particularly something to do with your own goals and ambitions, then you're not a real Christian. And that's very serious. That really brings me to this second point. Because the priorities that you set have eternal consequences. The mind of the sinful man is death, says Paul, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. If your main goal in life is to please yourself and to satisfy your sinful nature, then you will never know what it is to really live. All that pleasing yourself leads to is death. When people have their minds set, when what they want to do is their own thing, doing what their sinful nature desires, the Bible says they cut themselves off from the life and the presence of God. And when we're cut off from God, it always results in death. Isn't that an amazing and a surprising thing for the Apostle Paul to write? 
And isn't it so different from the way most people think? Some people have their mindset on really enjoying themselves and having a great time on really living, as they say. But what happens when they get what they really, really want? Are they really happy and fulfilled and contented? Does their life overflow with vitality and energy and life? Well, you read the papers as well as I do. And you watch the programs on TV and you read the magazines. And all these celebrities with all their money, with all their fame, with all their pleasures, their lives are a litany of sadness and unfulfillment. They can be the most discontented, unhappy and miserable people. Many people who get what they really, really want end up feeling washed up and washed out. Instead of really living, they actually feel totally dead on the inside. If your mind is set on what your sinful nature desires, the Bible says you're going to die. And it will mean death in this life. And it will mean death in the life to come. Live a self-centered life now, and you will live with the consequences of that for all eternity. Because the mind of the sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. Spirit-controlled, spirit-dominated people are really alive. They have a, a unique kind of energy and enthusiasm. And it's a life that's not only here and now, but it's a life that extends into the world to come. It's eternal life. It's everlasting life. It's life that has an eternal quality to it. And not only life, says Paul, but peace. Real peace, real contentment inside. When your mind is set on doing what God wants you to do, then there's a sense of harmony. There's a sense of integration. There's a sense of peace. And sometimes those of us who are Christians lack that peace because we know we're doing things that don't honor God and don't please the Spirit. Follow your sinful desires and there'll be an internal struggle and tension. Do what God wants you to do. Make his priorities your priorities and it'll bring you life and peace. Lasting in this life and into the life to come because your priorities have eternal consequences. Last thought. Your priorities express your relationship to God. The sinful mind is hostile to God. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. When you do what you want to do, you're showing that you are the most important person in your life. Rather than loving God, you're showing that you love yourself. And that means that you actually have a kind of animosity towards God. There's a hostility and an antagonism towards everything that belongs to God. His name, his kingdom, his will, his word, and his son. But particularly Paul singles out God's standards in this passage. In contrast to those who delight in God's law, a mind set on what the sinful nature desires does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. When it comes to obeying God's commands, to living according to his standards, such people have a real problem. They don't please God and they don't want to please God, and there's a basic hostility to God. So what I'm saying to you tonight is this. Your priorities are not neutral. It's not a question of your personal preferences or your private choices. Your priorities reveal 
what's really in your heart. They show whether you're in Christ's kingdom or not. They show whether you're God's friend or God's enemy. Your priorities are the evidence of what really rules your heart and your life. We see all this hatred, all this selfishness, all this materialism, all this immorality in the world and in the lives of our friends. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. But under the surface, in the hearts of people, says the Bible, there is an hostility against God. They just don't want to go God's way. They want to do their own thing, not God's thing. Whereas those who live in Christ's kingdom have said, Jesus, your Lord, your King, I want to be controlled by your spirit. My mindset is different. My priorities are different because there's a different power at work in their lives. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. So you can, can begin to see the picture that Paul's painting here with regard to priorities. There are only two categories of people. Those who are controlled by their sinful nature, those who live according to the Spirit. And you can determine which group you're in because of the priorities that you set for yourself. But realize this, if your priorities reveal that you're primarily oriented towards yourself rather than towards God, then it's going to have devastating and eternal consequences. So with this I finish. If you have been living to please yourself, if you have been the number one on your list of priorities, you need to change. You need to have a different mindset. You need a new set of priorities. And how does that, that happen? Well, you see, it happens as God changes our hearts. It happens when you stop making yourself and your sinful desires the most important thing in your life. And God does that by changing you from the inside out. You see, God wants your heart. He wants you to love him first and foremost. Jesus said that God's will for us is summarized in this one commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That simply means put Christ first in your life. So let me ask you, what do you really, really want? You know, this series of sermons was suggested to me when we had a parenting class a few months ago. And parents were discussing what's really important for their children and what do they really, really want their children to grasp and to know. And they said, as Christian parents, we really want our children to get their priorities right. We really want our children to know what's really important, what really matters, and that spiritual things and that Jesus Christ are of prime importance. That's what many of us Christian parents want for our children. We want our children to put Christ first in their lives. But what we want for our children and our young people, we should want for ourselves. So whatever age you are tonight, let me ask you, what are your priorities? What do you really, really want? Are you putting Christ first? Because that's what it means to live in his kingdom. Let's pray.
Father, we have listened to your word of truth. And we ask that in these moments you'll help us just to examine our own lives and our own hearts. And on this, the first Sunday of a new year, help us to get our priorities right. Help us, Lord, to put Christ first. To have our minds set on what the Spirit desires, not on what our sinful nature desires. Lord, there's a struggle and a battle going on in many hearts and lives. We pray that you'll help by your grace those who struggle so that they may come out clearly and say, yes, Lord, I want to put you first in my life. Give us the grace to do that, Lord, and then to live it out, to allow it to make a practical difference in our lives each day. So that in the days and the weeks and the months of this year, it will become apparent to others that we really have made you first. And we really have our minds set on what pleases the Holy Spirit. Speak to our hearts and help us. For Jesus' sake. Amen.